Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with a magnet for crazy disaster predictions, Dr. Lucy Jones. Today's episode of Getting Through It is sponsored by individual listeners as a project of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Would you consider sponsoring this podcast too, for as little as $5 a month, because that's how it continues to be here for you week after week. It's simple. Just go to patreon.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And now let's get to it. Earlier this season, we did a four-part series, that's episodes 30 through 33, on earthquake prediction. And we wanted to come back to that topic, not for more science at this point, but really to go into more of the stories that Lucy has experienced on the receiving end of earthquake predictions from people who have their own ideas about how the earth and the world works. We didn't have time to include all of them in that series. And so I thought we could take today to really dig deep on some of those crazy earthquake predictions, Lucy. And, you know, they do seem crazy and we sometimes laugh over it, but it shows you what links people will go to to create a pattern. That's what human beings do. We see danger. We create the pattern to make ourselves safe. Science is a way of testing those patterns because we internally just don't have any inherent fact checking. Too much of our society hasn't any education about the scientific process. We teach science as a bunch of facts instead of a way to determine whether they're true or not. And when you need that pattern and you don't know how to do the fact checking, you can get to some pretty far-fetched places. Well, I have a list of some of them that you've gone to with these folks. So I thought we'd start very early on. Could you tell us about the first prediction you received that was a little bit out there? A little bit. In graduate school, I ended up having the opportunity to go to China in 1979. I was the first American scientist to go over after normalization of relations. And there was an article about me being there in the International Herald Tribune. And a couple months later, I received a letter from Scotland, four pages of really small single space type from a guy who told me that he knew how to predict earthquakes and floods and volcanoes and wildfires and murders and rapes and other natural disasters. I thought was a really interesting grouping and that he just needed me to understand that he was really the solution. So there was this incredibly detailed letter with these numerology approaches of like making patterns out of various dates and really pretty disturbing, oh my heavens, where is this person coming from? And my thesis advisor said, welcome to seismology, time to start your wacko file. Because any seismologist that gets an exposure to the public gets these sort of letters on a depressingly regular basis. So let's talk about some of those that you've received over the last couple of decades. Let's start with the shape of clouds. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. There was one guy. He was actually had some training as a scientist, and he had noticed a certain type of cloud on the day of the Northridge earthquake. And he decided that the earth was somehow producing vapors that formed these shapes. And he put in a huge amount of effort documenting the shape of clouds and trying to connect them with various earthquakes. And he was sort of a classic case. He wanted to do the science, but he would fudge on the magnitude or whatever and basically find a pattern in a random distribution. And we know that the atmosphere has nothing to do with what happens below the surface of the earth where earthquakes actually occur. We actually did wonder if whether or not there could be gases released because you're pushing the rock and it starts to break. But whenever we've gone to measure it, we don't see it. In fact, 
We think that earthquakes are happening at lower stresses than would really be cracking the rock. And what happens 10 miles down or five miles down in the earth where the earthquake is happening is really not to connect it to what happens in the atmosphere. So let's go from up in the sky to sort of down on the ground. There's a- uh, uh, Snail uh, trails? Yes, just go with it. The snail trails, Lucy. <laughs> we used to get a fax back in the day of faxes, essentially every day from a woman who would go out in the morning and make a map of the slug trails across her driveway and compare those to coastline maps and see these as predictions of where an earthquake was going to be because the slug somehow knew the shape of the earth. That one was one of the farther ones that I don't think we have to worry about saying whether or not that was connected to science. Well, exactly. Just like people might believe that animals can sense earthquakes coming, we know that that's also not a truth in the way that earthquakes occur, not at least beyond that initial P wave and S wave relationship. Right. Animals sensing that the earthquake has begun, thats you can see why they're there. I can even see if you could, why you might think that the dog being really upset the day before was connected. Why you think that the slugs knew how to form the shape of a coastline is a little bit farther step to take. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> we also have a story that you've told about a hypochondriac and their level of health connected to earthquakes. Yes, this was another one that would write us on a regular basis, detailing what her current ailments were. And she had come to believe that headaches were connected to an earthquake about to happen in the San Francisco Bay Area, whereas her diarrhea was connected to earthquakes in the Los Angeles area. And as a fourth generation Southern Californian, I must admit, I was a little offended by that relationship. Was she based in the Bay Area? Perhaps that's part of her. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you know what San Francisco t tends to say about Los Angeles. So yes, she was a Bay Area resident. <laughs> we know that around disasters, there's a lot of focus on religion. Could you talk about the connection between the Bible and earthquake prediction? There's quite a few people that read their Bible carefully and, and try to connect it to current events, again, without a lot of fact-checking going on. There was one particular guy, again, one of these repeated predictors, who would throw his Bible down the stairs, is what he told us as he was doing, and then he would see what page it was open to. I think he did some other things with those opened Bibles, but whenever it hit Jeremiah, he told us that it was an earthquake coming. And that's not the only religious connection, if you will. You told me once about someone who called herself the queen of the world. Can you tell us about her predictions? The queen of the world called, oh, three or four times. And every time it was the same message that God was really upset about Roe v. Wade and he was going to be sending an earthquake because of that. Now, this one, I'm not going to claim that it's scientifically based, but it is historically based. I actually discussed this in my book, The Big Ones, about how we evolve socially the belief that God was causing earthquakes. And it actually came from the idea that God was good. God was somebody you could make a covenant with. So if he sent an earthquake to you, you must have done something to deserve it. So that's sort of in the evolution of Western thought. We couldn't just accept the randomness. Then there's this category of folks that are making predictions, but they're not telling you how they do it. Sometimes it's a corporation that is trying to sell a technique but there's no evidence or no published evidence of why or how they're doing this work. How does that relate to some of the predictions you've received over the years? Well, we get that a lot of times. One of the things is when I, I worked for the federal government, the U.S. Geological Survey is there for the people. If you wanted to make a prediction of an earthquake, we listened. 
we wouldn't do anything with it because we said, you know, we get these several times a year and therefore we have to have some evidence that you actually do better than everybody else before we'll act on it. Some people accepted that. Some people got pretty upset about that viewpoint and would tell us how they couldn't tell us what they were doing because we were going to go and steal their ideas. I developed a lot of sympathy over the years. This is fear. This is people trying to make a pattern and not understanding it. And most of them, I don't think were trying to scam us. I will cite one exception. There was a company that called us up just after the Northridge earthquake, that they had received a fax a few days before the earthquake, telling them that there was going to be a magnitude six in Los Angeles in the next week. And they were really impressed. And the guy who had sent it to them started sending them further faxes, wanting to charge them for his predictions. We ended up being able to show that he had actually sent a different company the same fax. There's going to be an earthquake in LA in the next week, every week. And then once the earthquake finally happened, he jumped in and tried to sell it. So there are a couple of times where it was actually knowingly a scam. But I think most of them, they didn't know how else to handle the fear and uncertainty of the earthquakes. So they had to create a pattern. The only solution to this is making sure that most people understand about the process of fact-checking, about the process of testing, the fundamentals of critical reasoning and research, science education. That's our solution. It won't do it for everybody, but it will make things a lot better if we did it more broadly. Well, let's leave it at that. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Our music is performed by Josh Lee, and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones. <laughs>